All right. So we're trekking our way through the book of Hebrews. As you guys find your seats, go ahead and open up to Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 2 tonight. We're already in chapter 2. We're just going to look at the first four verses of chapter 2 in Hebrews. So pop your Bibles open there, or you can look up at the screens too. We get the verses for you. But let me just, let's just recap real quick as we've been walking through Hebrews. We're looking at a book. It's a letter, right, that was written to tell people that Jesus is better than everything. There's nothing in all of existence that's better than Jesus. And so this whole letter is dedicated to letting people know that so that we can read it and be like walk away convinced that Jesus Christ is the greatest thing, the greatest person we will ever encounter in our lives, right? And so when we start to believe that, when our heart actually starts to believe that's true, we start to look different. Our lives start to change. We start to care about different things. Like the, the, the decisions that we make are different because now I believe that the greatest decision I could ever make is the one that chooses Jesus. The way I interact with my friends, the words that I choose, the stories that I tell, the things that pour out of my heart, they revolve around Jesus because I'm convinced that Jesus is greater and better than anything that I've ever seen or encountered, right? And so... As we've looked through, hey, whoever's yakking in the back, don't miss this. This is important, all right? Focus. You're hearing the greatest message you're ever going to hear. It's not because I'm telling you, but it's because it's true. Jesus is the greatest thing you will ever encounter, and tonight we're telling you about him. So hear up. Listen up. This author just looked at, like, who Jesus was in chapter 1. Just the first couple of verses are mind-blowing about who Jesus is. The creator of everything that exists the sustainer. So the fact that you can sit in your chair tonight and not just blow apart into a million particles means that Jesus is thinking about you and loves you and he's holding you together. He's allowing your lungs to breathe and your heart to beat and your eyes to blink. He's allowing you to stay in the space that you're at right now and not just disappear. Jesus is that big and powerful and important in your life. So are you walking through life right now thinking, man, like I'm in control of this thing? I'm making my choices, my decisions, taking my classes, doing my grades, choosing my friends, whatever. Like, that's, that's all up to me. Because here's, here's a message for you tonight. It's not up to you. You might think it is. You might be a part of it. But if Jesus stops thinking about you, literally, you just go away. <laughs> that's how important he is to your existence. So sometimes we walk down the road and forget he even exists. But if he forgets you exist, you stop existing. He's that important. And so he started to look at, at the end of chapter 1, angels. Because angels are big and powerful. And when they show up, they blow people's minds. And men like fall on their faces before these angels and start to worship them. And the angels, if they're good angels, are always like, get up, don't worship me. I am nothing compared to Jesus. Get up and look at God. Put your eyes on God and worship him because Jesus is that incredible. So even angels are nothing in comparison to who Jesus is. And then we hit chapter two and all of a sudden things just kind of stop. He's giving us like all this like this, this big word, it's called doctrine, right? Teachings and like information about who Jesus is and points about why he's big and strong and awesome. And then all of a sudden he just kind of stops in chapter two and he changes the subject right in the middle of all that. 
And he does something right here in these couple verses. Listen what he says in verses one to four. The author says, we must pay the most careful attention. You paying attention tonight? Have you just come to a place to hang out? Or have you come going, hey, I might encounter the God of the universe in that room tonight when I walk in there. I might hear a message that's not just from some dude on a stage, but it's literally from the God who created me. Like, are you paying attention tonight? Because he says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we don't drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape? If we ignore so great a salvation, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So what he's doing here when he stops kind of in the middle is he changes from just teaching us things about Jesus and he goes, all right, let me give you an invitation in the middle of this Bible lesson. So it's not just a Bible lesson. Like he doesn't want us just to learn a bunch of things about who Jesus is. Like That's not enough. That won't change your life. That won't save you. That won't fill you with a power that's bigger and stronger than you. That will do nothing but allow you to know a little more information. And so he stops and he says, listen, pay attention. Don't miss out on what this information means for your heart. How this information is so powerful, it can change your life, but you got to do more than just know it. You got to do more than just hear it and like leave youth group or church and be like, cool, that was, that was a good message. Yeah, bye. Like, peace. I heard something. You got to let that come into your heart, and start to change you from the inside out. You have to receive it and believe that what you're hearing is true and start to stand on it with your life and say, I trust that Jesus really is that big, and I'm going to prove it by the decisions that I make today. I'm not going to be like living in fear anymore. I'm going to trust God has me. I'm not going to be scared of the things God's asking me to do and shy away because I'm just too scared. God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know if I'm strong enough or gifted enough. No, God. Instead, you say, Lord, I'm scared to death. But here I come because I know you're strong enough and big enough to get me through this. I really believe Jesus is that awesome. I'm going to say yes, even though I'm scared. Or when you get tempted by that sin that wants to pull you aside and it's so attractive and you're like, man, I know that's going to destroy me, but I just really want to do it. Instead, I go, you know what? Jesus is so much better than that. He fills me up so much more than that. He satisfies me in a far better way than that. I'm choosing Jesus. All of a sudden, your life actually starts to change. And it looks different because you keep choosing Jesus. You know why? Because you believe he really is better. You stop just saying at youth group, yeah, like Jesus is awesome and he's better. I lift my hands up and I sing this stuff and I jump and that's all cool. But then I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go do the same exact stuff the world does. I'm going to live in those same sins and chase the same garbage that will never fill my heart or my life. Just waste it your opportunity to truly know Jesus. 
to not just know about Jesus, but to know him intimately and let him change you. And so this author here, he's saying, like, let's stop for a second, and I want to tell you something. Be careful. Careful, because so many people do this very thing. And let's hear what he has to say. He starts off by saying, we must pay the most careful attention. And then he uses this word, therefore. I always like to look and go, like, why is therefore there? Like, what is it therefore, right? So I'm going to ask that question. Well, what did he just talk about? He just talked about how awesome Jesus is. And because Jesus is that big and strong and awesome and unbelievable, therefore, now he's going to say this thing, right? Everything links back to that. It's all pointing back to Jesus is incredible. So, therefore, you can do this thing. And here's the thing he tells you to do. Pay close attention. Because Jesus is that amazing, you better pay close attention. Here he says, pay careful, the most careful attention. This is actually, like in the original language, you can't hear it in English, but the original language, this is a nautical term, like boating terms, right? We live in Florida, we know boats. So like, this was like a boating term that was used here when it says pay close attention. And it literally meant to take an anchor and to drop it down and fasten your boat. And they would use it to slow or kind of veer their boat. And so when he says pay attention, he's saying like, be anchored, slow down, focus. And then he says to, to focus on this, to what we have heard. So all that awesome stuff he just told us about Jesus, don't let it go over your head. Slow down. Throw the anchor down. Just like, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm planting myself on all that awesome stuff I just learned about Jesus in chapter 1, how he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. Like, he's the beginning. and Like, he's everything, right? And so as I know that, I'm going to plant my life in that and go, Jesus, prove it. <laughs> Show it to me. Live it out in me. Change my life. Let that power change who I am, Jesus. I'm dropping my anchor right in that truth, and I'm staying right here. I'm not going to just hear it. Pay really close attention to it, to what you've heard, so it's not just a hearing. It's a, it's a living into. Like I'm actually going to experience that awesomeness about Jesus. Don't you want to experience how awesome Jesus is? Don't you want Christianity to be more than just some church service? Just like some Bible study or some songs that we do and then we leave and it feels like this big empty show. Like, I hope it's more than that to you. It can be. Jesus offers you more, so much more. But too many of us are satisfied with this. Like, this is enough. I'll come, I'll do this thing and I'll leave and I'm not going to change. I'm going to be the same. It was cool. There's another firehouse off the list. Don't you want more? you want it to change your life? Don't you want it to make you way more than you could ever make yourself? To do things in you that you could never do for yourself? Jesus wants to do unbelievable things in you. And he's offering it with two wide open hands going, it's for you. So he says, stop and like drop your anchor into it and say, Jesus, do it. Go ahead. I want you to do that in me. I want my life to change. I want to be more like you. I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. I want to see that type of power in my life that I hear about other people having. I want it. I'm tired of just doing 
religion. I want you. Don't just hear it. Live it. And here's the warning. He says, so that we don't drift away. And again, he uses another boating term here. And that term drift away is when, it represents when a sailor would neglect his duties. And he wouldn't drop the anchor or move the sail at the right time. And this, this, anchor, this sailor basically would just ignore what his job was. And because of his error, here's what the boat would do. This big, massive ship that he was helping to steer and to move would miss its target and go right by the harbor. And then they would have to go all the way back around, flight currents, and find their way all the way. It would be this huge detour. And then they'd have to take another stab at coming back in and actually making it into the harbor where they wanted to leave this huge ship. And so if a sailor did that, like, you better believe it. All the other sailors like, dude, it's your fault. You know, it's like one of those, like, everyone's looking at you and you know, like, okay, like, that was me. Like, I ignored my job, my duties, what I should have been doing. And because of it, we all missed it. We literally just sailed right by where we were supposed to go. And what this guy is saying is that when we're doing that with our lives, when we're doing that with Jesus, we're just drifting right by salvation. Like, man, I've heard the story. I've read the verses. I've sang the songs. I've worn the Christian t-shirts. Like, I've done the Christian thing. And he's like, but has it changed your heart? Is your life different? Because if all you have are the words that you heard, you're going to sail right by salvation and you're going to miss it and you're going to think you got saved, but you're too busy just focusing somewhere else and ignoring the one person who can save you. I know about Jesus, but it's not enough. Do you know Jesus? Is he at work in you tonight? As you sit in this room, is Jesus at work as we're reading the Bible right now? Is the Holy Spirit saying things to your heart? Is he drawing your heart in with this love that says, God, you are awesome. Just to hear about you tonight, it just makes me think how awesome you are. Or are you just drifting by salvation thinking, I'm all good. I'm in control. We're sailing on. And there goes the harbor of salvation. And you pass right by. He says, don't miss it. Don't miss it. We live in Florida, right? So how many of you guys like water stuff? Do you, like, do you do stuff in the water? A lot of Floridians don't, which is weird. It's like, why do you live here? You know? But I guess we get used to it. And growing up, my dad and I would always go out wave running. That was like our thing. We'd go into the canals with our wave runners like down in South Florida. Um, and we would just like go all over the place. We'd race. But I remember when we first got wave runners to like, we went out and like, it was my first time out. He, my dad taught me how to like use the wave runner and he barely knew how to do it. And it was like one of those things because we're from Massachusetts. So we're like, we ski, you know, not, like, we don't wave run. So we got on these things and we're both kind of learning and he's like, let's race. I'm like, oh, so it's on, right? So we start racing and we're going down this one canal and we are just cruising. And right at the end, there's this big, beautiful house. It has like this gorgeous like backyard that like, with a pool in it and a white picket fence type deal. It's like overlooking the water. And that's like the, the, the finish line. So we're just like cruising toward it. I and mean, then we were booking it down this canal. My dad and I, you know, my dad had always like grown up riding motorcycles. And on a motorcycle, you just squeeze the brake and you slow down. So we're just going. And my dad's not going to lose to his son, right? 
So he is just trying to beat me no matter what. And I realized, like, I need to slow down or I'm going to just, this is going to be bad. So I let off the throttle and I start to slow. And my dad's just still going. He's just like, and within seconds, I look up and I see him and he just hits this person's backyard, goes up in the grass, this white picket fence just goes like splatters like all these pieces and like almost lands like straight into their pool and my and like the thing's just kind of spinning he gets up and he's like looking around like what went wrong right like one of those and i'm like oh my goodness did that really just happen right so when we're done i ask him i get up there I'm like what were you thinking and he's like well i kept pulling for the brake but there's no brake on a wave runner like there aren't wheels right there's no brakes the way you slow down is you let go of the throttle and the thing just slows down and so my dad in one of those moments just literally straight up into this dude's backyard the lady like is looking she's like washing dishes you can see her in the window she's like ah like when he's screaming and coming out like there's a wave runner in the pool like what's going on right it's one of those and as i watch my dad i can't help but think of this same scene like what if your life is cruising toward destruction right now You don't even know it. Like, you think all, everything's good? Like, I'm winning this, this race at all costs. I will get the glory at the end of this thing at all costs. And you have no idea that you're about to just cruise straight past the one thing, the one person who can save you. It is not enough that your parents are Christians and go to church. It is not enough that you go to church. It's not even enough that you just like read your Bible or sing worship songs or even pray. Have you gone before Jesus, humbled your heart before him and said, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need you to forgive me. I'm trusting only you to forgive me and to save me. And I know there's no other way for me to have eternal life unless you do it in me. Have you ever had that moment where, with Jesus where you literally take your life and go, here, I'm yours. We just sang it, right? I belong to you. Because if you haven't done that, you are cruising toward destruction. You are on this sailboat that is drifting away, and you're ignoring the one, one, that can actually do that work. Don't miss it tonight. Please don't leave this room tonight and miss it. Jesus right now is giving you the opportunity to hear that he is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to be saved but through Jesus Christ alone. If you haven't given him your life, do it tonight. Don't drift by it. I don't care if you've been coming to church since you were in first grade or kindergarten. I don't care if you're sitting there tonight, you're like, oh man, I'd be so embarrassed. People thought I've been a Christian all these years and I haven't actually really done what you're talking about, so I can't do that now. What will they say about me? Who cares? Who cares what they'll say about you? Jesus wants to save your soul. Jesus wants to forgive all of your sin. Who cares what they say? 
Jesus, remember, is way better. He's better than what they'll say or gossip or what you think is going to happen. It doesn't matter. Jesus is that incredible that you should just go, Jesus, I haven't done it. Maybe I thought I have, but tonight I am yours. Period. Have you done it? Have you met him? Have you given him your life? Look at verse 2. It says, for since the message spoken through angels is binding. And so we know that in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the way that we got this old covenant, it was told to us by angels were brought to the fathers. And, and so these angels, like they played a part, right? There was this declaration of God loves you. God's making a way for you. But listen, it says, in every violation and disobedience, received its just punishment. With that good news also comes really bad news. It's great news that there's a harbor of salvation and our boat can pull in there. It's really bad news that you can also drift right by it. And if you do, then there is no salvation. God is just and God punishes sin. He punishes rebellious lives. People that don't know him go to hell. He loves you so much. He said, that's not good enough for me. I want to make a way for you to be forgiven. The Bible says he loved the whole world, that he gave his only son so that you could be saved, right? And so what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for tonight? Jesus has already made the way, and it's guaranteed that if you don't follow Jesus, that there is only punishment and justice waiting for people like that. So he says this next phrase, and this is, this is a hard one to hear. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Maybe you're here tonight and you think, man, I'll be all right. I'll be fine. This dude on the stage, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just some preacher. He's full of hot air. I'll be cool. This author's like, how will you ever escape the justice of God? Where can you go that God can't find you? Nowhere. Where are you going to hide yourself from the eyes of God himself? What will you do the day you close your eyes for the last time and you pass away and you're standing before God himself, the creator of everything, and you're there and he's like, why should I let you into my paradise? And you're like, well, I thought I'd be okay. And he's like, get out of here. I never knew you. I never knew you. You missed it. You drifted by. I gave you every opportunity. I even sent my only son to die and be tortured and beaten so that you could be here with me forever and you still ignored me. You ignored the sacrifice of my only son, Jesus, to save your life. And you drifted by. Get out of here. I don't know you. How will you escape, it says, if you ignore so great a salvation? Have you ever been, like, you guys go swimming at the beach ever, and, like, you're just out chilling in the waves for long enough that eventually you look up, and you're like, where's the towel? Like, where's our our umbrella? Like, where's our spot? It's, like, not there anymore. And you realize as you look way up shore, you're like, oh, man, how do we get way down here? You know? Like, Our stuff is way up the beach. 
And you realize that as you've been in the water, those waves have been nudging you. Over and over, the the current has pulled you and the waves have nudged you further and further past where you set up your little site there on the beach and all your stuff way up there. It's like, how'd we get here? For a lot of us, that's exactly what is happening in our lives. We're like, man, I'm waiting to the last minute to like do business with Jesus here and like repent. Because I know that if I repent and I enter a relationship with Jesus, I have to stop doing that. And I have to give that up. And I have to, my life has to change. My life has to look different. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to enjoy all this sin and all this stuff. And then there's still time, you know, there's still time. But we look up and the waves of life have pushed us. And sin has nudged us and pulled on us all the way down. And we're like, dude, salvation is there. Like, I am so far from Jesus right now. How did this happen? It happened because you took your eyes off of him. You ignored it. You're like that sailor that forgot his duties, forgot what was important, and you look up and your life has just drifted by. Christians in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You get so caught up in popularity and friends and keeping your friends happy in your social life and, and social media and all these things, right? Grades and sports. And all those things are just nudging you. Because your eyes came off Jesus and you care more about your GPA and your scholarships and your college and that sport you like to play. And all of these things keep nudging you and your eyes are looking down here. And Jesus is like, where'd you go? You're just drifting. Put your eyes back on Jesus. He ends in verse 3. He says, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So here, here's the deal with this. Not only did God like announce salvation to us, you're hearing it literally announced tonight because I'm telling it to you. The Bible is telling it to you as we read it tonight. It is being announced that you can be saved It's being announced tonight that your sins can be forgiven. Your broken life can be made whole again. You're hearing it. God is loud with it. That's what the church around the world is declaring. But look at this other part. Not only was it announced by the Lord, it was confirmed to us. Like, it's not just words. I'm not just up here telling you, hey, you can be saved. You can look into this, right? You can see the power of God in the lives of people in this room who believe in God. You can hear their stories about how God has entered their life and done things that they can't even believe. How he's taken broken, hurting hearts and mended them. Broken lives where like my family is such a mess and somehow God came in and did a thing that's miraculous because I don't know how he's fixed this thing. I was hopeless and depressed and I was, I was like just lost and God shows up and somehow tonight there's hope in my heart like story after story right that we can hear because the power of God is constantly working and you know what that does it does more than just talk it confirms that he's real that Jesus actually is that awesome throughout the Bible people were healed raised back from the dead Miracles took place. Jesus was constantly showing off his power, and now he's doing that through his church to say, not only am I saying I can save you, I'm demonstrating it. 
You have no excuse tonight. As you sit here in this room and hear these words, you have no excuse to walk out of here and go, I didn't know. So that day that you do stand before God in heaven, he's like, why should I let you in? You can't go. Well, I just, nobody told me. I never heard. I never knew. He's going to be like, no, you did. Not only did I announce it, I confirmed it over and over. It's undeniable that I'm here and that I love you. You just chose to drift by. You just chose to miss salvation. I have a friend, I had a friend in um, high school. He sat in front of me in Bible class. And he was like the coolest kid in school. I was definitely not the coolest kid in school. But for some reason we were buds and like he sat in front of me in Bible and we would talk and chill. And he was always the kid who would invite me to go to parties on the weekend. Somehow like through his family, he had like means to get weed and let's go smoke pot or hey, let's go to this party and get drunk and like, we were like 16 years old, right? And he's inviting me to all this stuff. And I'm the little nerd in the back who is like, wants to be a preacher. And he's always like, preacher boy, we know you're not going to go. There's a little goody two-shoes. Like he would always like joke with me and like make fun of me, but like was still my friend kind of. It was always nudging me to like, just come with us. Like you're missing out on so much. He would say those type of things to me all the time. And in Bible class, the dude would turn around and invite me to this stuff. I'd always go, no, no, like, I don't know why you're going to that. And I remember specifically one day, it was a Friday, turns around, he's like, you've got to go tonight. He's like, I got a new motorcycle, you got to come, you got to check out my bike, party's going to be awesome, just this one time, just say yes, just go. He's like, come on, preacher boy, just do it. And I remember I was so frustrated with him, I just wanted him to know the truth and believe it. I was like, dude, don't you even have a relationship with Jesus? Like, this was a Christian school. He claimed to know Jesus, but, like, here we are in Bible class. Like, don't you even have a relationship with Jesus? And I was scared. Like, what is he going to say back to me? He's the coolest kid in school. Like, I was, like, destining. Like, my destiny now was just to never have friends, right? But I was like, I just can't. I have to ask him. And so I asked him this question. I remember I could still hear his voice in my head where he looked back and he's like, I know how to get saved. He's like, I have plenty of time. Just turn around, and that was it. Go home, spend my weekend, do my thing. Come in on Monday, we come to class, and he's not in the seat in front of me. I'm like, oh, is he homesick? Like, what's the deal? And I can still remember my teacher, my Bible teacher walked into class and just, like, had this face that, like, something was wrong, and then proceeded to tell our class that that kid had died on his motorcycle that weekend. My friend. And I knew. I knew he had drifted by salvation. Because I had literally asked him the question the day before. And his answer was, I have plenty of time. I know how to get saved. And he didn't. The next day he passed away on his motorcycle in an accident. But that story has stuck with me since I was 16 years old. I still see his face and hear his voice. And I still go, God, why? You know, why did that have to happen? Tonight you still have a chance. 
tonight God is literally offering you forgiveness, love, salvation. Will you look back at Jesus tonight and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. I give you my life. Forgive me. Save me. Or will you say like, hey, uh, I got time. I know how to get saved. I just heard about it. When I'm ready, I'll do it. And then you drift by. No guarantee you'll make it home tonight. My buddy didn't even last a day. You might live another 80 years. Whatever way it goes, will you drift by salvation? Or will you look back at Jesus and say, I want to be yours. You really are better than everything. You'd love me that much to die for me? There's nothing better than you, Jesus. I don't know where you are tonight. Some of you guys, you might be going strong with Jesus. Praise God. Some of you guys might know for sure, like, I don't have a relationship with him. Hear me when I say this. You don't have to hate God to go to hell. You don't have to be like an enemy with God with your hands up like this, mad at him to go to hell. You just have to ignore his offer of salvation to go to hell. You're like, man, I'm not that bad. I'm not like cussing God out every day. I'm not like, but have you ignored him? Or have you taken him up on his offer when his son went to the cross to die for you? And have you said, Jesus, save me. Forgive me and make me free. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second? The band's going to lead us in a song, and as they do, I just want to ask you guys to think about that question. Maybe even have a conversation with God and say, like, hey, have I, have I ever really done this, God, or have I just been going to church and doing my parents' thing or my friends' thing? Maybe in a moment of just complete honesty tonight, you just push everything aside and all the distractions aside, and you just say, hey, God, will you show me if I really am in a relationship with you? And listen, if he says no, if you know in your heart you've never really given him your life, you've just gone through the motions, maybe tonight you actually do it. You look up at him and you say, God, I want to be yours. As we sing this next song, will you just pray that prayer and think that in your heart tonight?